diving into the ocean and finding out the different ways there are to produce energy from it. And little did I know how deep this goes. For so far I have found five different ways that can be utilized for making energy. And from those five different ways I started with salt and I found five subcategories in salt of ways to make energy. So this is what is primarily being discussed in this episode. So tune in to find out what they are. Ocean energy can loosely be divided into five core technologies. Wave energy, which harnesses the rise and fall of wave motion to generate power tidal stream in which the lateral flow of the tides drives turbines sea water air conditioning swac where ocean water is used to heat or cool a fresh water loop ocean thermal energy conversion otec which produces energy from the temperature difference between cold water and the warm surface water and then there's senility, gradient water generation, creating energy from the difference in salt concentration between fresh and salt water. Part 1. Salt Water Salinity gradient energy is a special form of renewable energy that utilizes natural processes to produce clean and sustainable power. It does not harm the environment by emitting CO2 although low-pressure vapor pressure methods may emit air with CO2. It can be reabsorbed, but with an energy cost. According to Jones and Finley, in their recent article, Development in Salinity Gradient Power, the cost of fuel for this energy is nearly zero. The energy is generated from the difference in osmotic pressure between salt water and fresh water. The processes involve evaporating salt water to create an osmotic pressure differential. Osmotic pressure is the chemical potential of salt in varying concentrations, with higher salt concentrations leading to higher pressure. This is the basic principle behind salinity gradient energy. Electrodialysis reversal EDR has been around since the 60s. This is an electric current that migrates dissolved salt ions, including fluorides, nitrates, and sulfates, through an electrodialysis stack consisting of alternating layers of cathonic and anionic ion exchange membranes periodically around three to four times an hour. The direction of the ion flow is reversed by the polarity of the applied electric current. So current reversal reduces the clogging of the membranes as the salt deposits on the membrane gets dissolved when the current flow is reversed. Electrodialysis reversal causes a small decrease in the diluted feed quality and requires increased complex infrastructures as reversible values are required to change the flow direction of diluted and concentrated streams. 
However, it greatly increases ion exchange membrane's durability. The membrane cleaning prevents electrical resistance. Woo! That's an exciting one. So there's another type of salinity gradient power generation known as pressure retarded osmosis or PRO. This method is becoming more and more popular. To break it down simply, there's A, which is solution of salt water, and B is fresh water. They are separated by a membrane. Only water molecules can pass through this semi-permeable membrane. So what happens is that the water from solution B diffuses through the membrane in order to dilute solution A. This creates a pressure difference between the two solutions, which then drives the turbine and generates electricity. It is also possible to use osmosis to directly pump fresh water. This is another method that involves salt water and fresh water. So back in 2019, a fall meeting with Material Research Society and the team of Richards University reported creating a membrane that contained around 10 million BNNTs per cubic centimeter and used it to create a power generator. This generator was able to create a much more powerful one than the Statkraft's prototype. It used a special membrane to separate two liquids, salt water and fresh water, and tiny tube made of materials called boron nitrate nanotubes with an outside diameter of a few nanometers. By pressuring the electric current passing through the membrane using electrodes on either side of the nanotube, they were able to generate a current of nanoamperes, <laughs> which is a thousand times more powerful than other ways of harvesting energy from salinity gradients. This generator was able to generate a 4 kilowatt per 1 square meter of membrane up to 30 megawatts per year. The capacitive method is a way to extract energy from mixing the salt water and fresh water. It works by charging up electrons in contact with salt water and then discharging them into fresh water. This produces energy because the salt water has more ions which help neutralize the charge on the electrodes and make it easier to charge them. Then, when the electrodes are put in fresh water, there are fewer ions to help neutralize the charge. So, when it's discharged, it is able to produce more energy. In other words, the charge is able to build up more in salt water than it can in fresh water. So it can produce more energy when it's discharged. So this is another method. This is a solar pond. And this was told by Frank about his friend who had a farm. So here I'll explain it a bit better. At the Eddy potash mine in New Mexico. A special technology is being used to provide energy needed by the mine. This technology is a solar pond. 
It harnesses only solar power. Sunlight reaching the bottom of the pond is absorbed as heat and is trapped in the pond due to different densities. Saltwater solar ponds are constructed to store and collect solar energy. This process involves trapping warm surface water in a shallow line pond while the colder and denser water accumulates at the bottom. This creates a temperature gradient between the two layers of water, allowing it to be harnessed to generate electricity via a thermal engine. This salt water can be used directly in industrial processes that require high temperatures. Next is the clip of Frank telling the story about the salt ponds. Hasley can have farm. Talking 15 years mm-hmm. uh, ago, at least, and uh, he had some shallow ponds in his uh, on his property, and he basically used salt. It was super. It was salt and water, but he basically just got this salt up. It's like a crazy, like it would absorb heat over the summer, right? Okay. And it was, there was a black mat and uh, yeah, it was amazing at holding on to, holding on to that heat. Now I can't remember if he used the heat or if he converted it to energy or if he had other uh, purposes for it, mm-hmm. but he was generating a lot of thermal energy and storing a lot of thermal energy uh, by having a really pulse, uh, sorry, salt heavy uh, solution of water in these shallow ponds that were, I think they had black tarps in them that might have also the salt on top. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, I wish we uh, wish I remembered more about that rather than just bringing up something I remember very little about. <laughs> Some random facts. There's a guy with some salt ponds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I like the way people do think of these things. And next up is a clip where Frank is talking about his carbon footprint and impact on our planet. The carbon footprint uh, test online, mm-hmm. or quiz, I should say, was that I wanted to compare a number of them to see if they came out. Like a number oh, of different yeah, tests see if they, to see if they were similar. Um, I ended up really running into a wall pretty quick. Uh, a lot of online tests we're looking for very specific information about energy usage that I simply didn't have available. Oh, okay. So they kind of stopped, kind of stopped me in my tracks. Right. But one thing I found that was sort of parallel to the carbon footprint calculator was uh, this thing called the ecological footprint calculator. Oh. And that's over at footprintcalculator.org. Mm-hmm. And so in some respects, it's similar to the carbon footprint uh so a while ago a while ago a couple of hours ago now I'm, i might be getting the, the questions confused but uh the gist of all this just as a sort of a summary i took the test mm-hmm. after having patted myself on the back a few times mm-hmm. for the carbon footprint tests and uh you yeah, know i don't deserve to be patting myself on the back oh. anyhow i took this uh yeah, ecological footprint test. And if it tells me if everyone lived like me, yeah, we would need the resources of 4.3 Earths. Oh, my. Oh, so, wow. so I withdraw my pat on my back. 
Oh dear. Yeah, 4.3 Earths. That's a lot of Earths, yeah. Or, so we've only got one. Yeah, another way to look at it is I will use up all, like my personal Earth overshoot day. Yeah. So what my resources would you exceed now? those that the Earth can produce is on March 26th. To this year. Yeah, so if everybody <laughs> lived like me, we'd all run out of resources on March 26th. Oh my stars, that's, yeah, that's soon. And I don't even have a car. <laughs> so, I'm going to give a shout out to a podcast called Climate Now. Climate they, now. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They have um, lots of more technical information than we do about many climate issues and technologies nice. that are coming out to help as well. But he does interviews as well and news, and he also goes in depth into more of the political setup of um, getting these initiatives off the ground. So, yeah, he's, oh, he, he dives quite into it. Yeah. I'm just going to go into a little bit more on the subject of salt and ocean water, and that is creating drinking water from seawater. Just a word on desalination. This is the process of purifying saline water to make it fit for human consumption. All of the water on Earth, 97.5% of it, is salt water, and only 2.5% is fresh water. However, over two-thirds of the fresh water is trapped in glaciers and ice caps. So that only leaves 0.83% of the total water on Earth being accessible clean water. While some countries have the privilege of having many lakes and rivers within their borders, like Canada, Others are not as lucky and can only rely on desalination of marine water to cater for their local water demands. Desalination occurs through two primary processes of desalination and reverse osmosis. Countries that rely on distillation are Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, Libya, and I believe the Maldives as well to some extent. So if you're not one of the countries that's lucky enough to have lots of fresh water in it, the desalinization process probably seems like a godsend. The process is one in which salt and brackish water is pulled out of the ocean run through a desalination and purification system to result in clean drinkable water. Desalinization technology was hailed as a positive answer to the world's water shortages and is being developed and encouraged in areas that are close to the ocean but lacking in fresh water supplies. However, desalinization is not a fail-safe process and carries with it many environmental repercussions. The disadvantages of this process are causing many people to rethink before starting the desalination process. So there is waste disposal as with any process. 
the desalination has byproducts that must be taken care of. The process requires pre-treatment and cleaning chemicals which are added to the water before the process to make the treatment more efficient and successful. These chemicals include chlorine, hydrochlorine acid and hydrogen peroxide and they can all be used only for a limited amount of time. Once they've lost their ability to clean the water, these chemicals are dumped, which becomes a major environmental concern. These chemicals are often found back in the oceans where they poison plant and animal life. To do desalinization, uh, there is a lot of power involved as well as the chemicals. Uh, the process is also not perfect where some of the chemicals can sometimes remain in the water if it's not done properly uh, and endanger the people's lives who work it. Also, there is a very acidic effect on the pipes and the digestive system. Thanks for joining me for this episode and we'll hope to get you listening to the next one. Bye y'all!